Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of the JMO Podcast. I'm your host, Taylor Michaels, and our guest this week, we have Tom Boley back on the show. Tom needs very little introduction. He's a popular YouTube angler, and you know we've had him on before. It's always fun to get a chance to talk fishing with Tom Boley. And he travels around a lot, uh, fishing a lot of new bodies of water all the time. And he's just good at breaking down water. And his videos very much depict that, uh, that he has the ability to go somewhere new and break it down. He's always breaking down new stuff, even on his home bodies of water or bodies of water that are close to where he's from that he's fished a lot. So, uh, you know, so much fun to get a breakdown of this summer season with Tom. So that's what this one is all about. We're recapping the season, you know, the fish patterns that Tom ran into this year, the places that he fished, and some of the memories that he made this year, and the presentations that he felt like were the most productive. So we break it all down. And then at the end, we get a little bit of a fall preview because it is that time of year. You know, it's still summer fishing going on out there, but fall is going to be on top of us here really shortly. So we just get a little bit of a fall preview from Tom and some of the things that he's looking forward to uh, when these fall patterns really start kicking in. So let's get to it. We've got Tom Boley recapping the 2023 summer walleye season. It's a good one. Let's get to it. This episode of the JMO podcast is brought to you by Shields. Shields is your one-stop shop retailer for all your outdoor needs with over 30 locations across the United States. Every single department is full of the best brands on inventory and a knowledgeable staff to give you great service, including the fishing department. For more information or to find a store near you, head to the link in the description of this podcast. That's shields.com. And if you don't find a location near you, rest assured, all their best deals are online as well. So the only thing left to do is to go check them out. Link is in the description of this podcast. The fishing opportunities across the state of Montana are phenomenal. If you're from there or you've already been there a bunch to experience it, you know just how special these opportunities are. If you haven't, fishing out west should absolutely be on your bucket list. But aquatic invasive species like zebra mussels and Eurasian water milfoil can harm recreational opportunities. As boaters, as anglers, we have the ability to help protect Montana's waters by cleaning all mud, plants and debris off our boat, recreational equipment, and fishing gear before we leave any access sites. Drain the water from your motor, your live well, your bilges, and allow your boat and equipment time to dry before your next outing. No matter what watercraft you use, please, if you're traveling in the state of Montana, stop at all inspection stations. Together, we can protect Montana's waters. Visit the link in the description of this podcast for more information. That's fwp.mt. Gov backslash AIS. If you want to enjoy all the abundant hunting and fishing opportunities that Northeastern South Dakota has to offer, there's no better place to stay than Roy Lake State Park. Come shoot your limit of birds, then hit the lake and catch you a limit of walleyes all in a day. Roy Lake State Park provides both modern cabins and suites with all the comforts of home at a reasonable price. Go to GoOutdoorsSouthDakota.com. To reserve your fall hunting and fishing destination. That link is in the description of this podcast. Start off with maybe some fun stories and then we'll figure out some good fishing topics and rabbit holes to go down, man. Awesome. Well, appreciate you having me on again. Always fun talking while I did you for an hour or however long it is. But uh, yeah, summer kind of, I mean, we're basically mid August now, or late August maybe. And the, just the thing that sticks out in my brain this summer that just seemed to be a common theme everywhere we were was the 
cooler than normal water temps in a lot of places in which I was fishing, which I can't say if that's an everywhere occurrence or, or, you know, just a lot of the places I've been, but it seemed like, although we had hot weather, it seemed like a lot of the, a lot of the lakes we were fishing were like 71, 69, you know, a lot of those are up here in the Northwoods, maybe Northern Wisconsin, Minnesota, wherever it might be. But that was kind of a, a common theme we kept seeing throughout the summer. And it seemed like it kind of started in June, like we'd get some hot weather and it'd just be really flat, calm for a while. And it's like that temperature just like wasn't like penetrating the water column. So I, looking back, it seemed like we had a lot of fish a lot shallower than normal to me this summer um, on a lot of the different places I went. Now we still have like, you know, now it's late August, obviously, which is generally like a deep basin bite in a lot of the places we fish, you know, 25, 30 feet of water. And, you know, with water temps, I literally saw 69 degrees, 71 degrees in the last week on some of the lakes we've been on, where normally you're at like 77, 78, 80, 81 degrees, you know. And we're still finding some fish in, you know, 8, 10 foot of water weed edge stuff, which is normally like a June pattern. So, although it seems like the temperature has finally like penetrated the water column a lot, it's like because it's been a little cooler you still have some fish way up shallow which has been a kind of interesting for an august time frame for me anyways talking about the patterns that's definitely something that i want to kind of stick to a little bit when a year is a little bit different and the fish aren't following you know just sort of that absolute protocol of the pattern they're supposed to do just because of you know environmental changes some small details as you go around how is that for you when you're finding fish on a new body of water and you go in in the summertime and, you know, past experience would tell you that, you know, maybe where you should start, but then you're finding them shallow all the time, man. Like, you know, kind of how, how does that sort of affect you a little bit when you're breaking down water and stuff like that? Do you feel like it took you a little bit longer or was it almost easier? Yeah, I mean, it can definitely take longer, especially, you know, one of the worst things you can always do if you like travel, you know, a lot, fish a lot of different places, maybe once, you know, maybe twice throughout the course of each season is you get stuck on obviously where they were last time, right? Yeah. (laughs) You go out to your spot that you have such fond memories of catching walleyes in a 33 foot rock hump, you know, where they say sit 10 feet off the bottom in August or July. You pull up there and there's like two fish and you're like, well, this doesn't look normal, does it? And the one, you know, nice thing about, obviously we're all running a side engine. A lot of us are running a forward facing sonar. So it doesn't, we don't have to like fish through areas. Obviously we don't see something we really like in. And that's one thing you just kind of got to keep driving into your mind. You know, like if you pull up on that favorite spot where it's that deep August rock hump or that deep basin area where you're like, man, it's always so good out here in the late summer. And then you pull up there and you know, you're like, it just doesn't look right. And especially if you're on a time crunch traveling, you know, you got to remind yourself like, man, I don't have three hours to sit on this spot to catch these you know, six fish that might be roaming out here. You know, we got to go find where the most of the fish actually are. So it's just a lot of moving around and, you know, fishing fast and it, it's, you know, obviously a way I like to fish where you're just kind of in and out of pieces of structure real quick, not spending a lot of time in any one spot until you really kind of feel like you're on something a little bit better. So um, that kind of suits my style of fishing a little bit where I just really like going fast, moving around, covering as much water in a short amount of time as possible. But uh, don't be fooled. There is plenty of days that are still a struggle. <laughs> yeah. Do you feel like... Do, do... 
did did you knock anything out of the park this summer? I mean, looking back on this summer, is there anything that just sticks out as like this great badge of honor? You know, maybe it's a personal sort of victory or something like that. But when it comes to the fishing, you went somewhere, maybe it's somewhere new, maybe it's somewhere you've been a bunch of times. But does one stick out that uh, where you feel like you were just absolutely dialed? And if you do, tell me how it went. Yeah, there's and one that's obviously become more and more common over the last couple of years is a lot of the bites that used to be basin trolling bites, right? Where you, you used to, you know, whether it's on a, a lake of the woods or whether it's on a Missouri river system, whether it's on a little Northwoods in the lake, these, these bites where, you know, fish go out and suspend over open water, you know, 20, 25 down over 50 to a hundred feet of water. And they used to have to put out on the planer boards, get out the lead core, and, you know, now with a lot of this forward-facing stuff, whether you like using forward-facing or not, you know, it, it, there's a castable opportunity out there. So a lot of, you know, a lot of stuff that I like to do is obviously fishing fish on a spinning rod. And that's, you know, the most fun way to catch a walleye to me. So each year it's like you kind of add a little bit to the, the, uh, the lure lineup or little cadence tips, it seems like, it, with some different baits that, that catch these fish out over basin because when they, they get out over basin, there's generally only so many baits you can fish with because you essentially have to get a bait down to fish quick. And then you have to fish without touching the bottom, obviously, because those fish are, you know, 15 to you know 30 down and over very deep water. So jigging on the bottom in that situation obviously doesn't work. So there's been a few of those little things like one in particular, I think is just, you know, dropping, like floaty jigs onto fish in that deep water when they get really kind of, they just don't really want to bite where before we'd be casting, you know, big, heavy weight forward spinners or big, heavy glide baits and just picking up some of those little tips over the years. You know, some of them, you might get to that lake, find a ton of fish over base and you're like, man, they're just not biting these, these bigger baits we always used to fish out here. And then leaning on something like, Oh man, you put on a quarter ounce jig with a, a long stinger on it and a whole night crawler and you just kind of float it over them, you know, and you know, little things like that can definitely save a trip. Um, if you like fishing that way, I guess, you know, in the summertime on the lakes that you fish this year, you know, you know, in comparison, one versus the other, how often was maybe upsizing and being more aggressive, the deal versus how often was, you know, the finesse, you know, like you said, hovering, a you know, a, a chunk of crawler with a stinger, you know, on a quarter ounce jig, like, like how often was finesse more so the deal versus, um, or what you would consider finesse for you versus more aggressive for you? Yeah. And it's, it's funny. We, I went through the same exact thing last night. Um, so I've been basically on the road for, I mean, essentially 20 to, you know, 30 days a month for the last you know, three or four months now. And then for the last week and a half, I've been home, which at home, it's a lot of small lakes, very pressured bodies of water, you know, cabin country that lakes that get just a ton of traffic on weekdays, weekends, whatever it might be, which normally is drives you to like a finesse bite. And we were on an awesome, like casting over the basin, suspended walleye, wait forward spinner, whether that's a search bait or a death jig, whatever it might be. And we were just cleaning up on bigger fish the last week, which has been a lot of fun. Um, put a trolling motor on my boat last night, a, a different trolling motor and came back up and just wanted to test it out and start, you know, casting search baits at fish. And it's like, Oh, here's one following, you know, follows it all the way back to the boat from a hundred feet out. 
and you cast that another one. He follows it all the way in. So then out of, you know, curiosity, you go to like a, you know, a, a three quarter, a one ounce jig and a big swim bait. And you're like, I just wonder if they want something snapped. It gets down to the first one, snap it super hard. The fish just rocket launched up and bit it. <laughs> That's, you know, something you just don't anticipate a lot of times on these super heavily pressured lakes. A lot of times it's a finesse, light line, floaty type of presentation bite on these lakes. So it definitely goes both ways. And it's one thing that's nice about you know whether it's a side imaging a sonar is you know if you're confident you're around walleyes and you make multiple you know uh, uh, presentations at that fish multiple casts at that fish with a certain bait and you're just not getting a response you want you know it's easy to say all right we have to change baits it doesn't take you you know 10 years ago you fish through an area and you're like was there fish there was there not fish there do we have the right bait on the wrong bait on you know pretty quick if you have the right presentation on or the wrong presentation on based on what the fish does, obviously. So that's one way I try to look at it. Yeah, man. Yeah, and it's almost, you know, building up that confidence, you know, talking about that forward sonar or just the things that we've learned with forward sonar where casting is, man, it's a big deal. You know, like the clear water driving over these fish is, is something to avoid if you can help it. Do you feel like you built confidence in something this year, like something that was maybe a weakness or just wasn't in your repertoire before, things that you're working on now that you're building your confidence in? Anything along those lines as far as, you know, maybe kind of some goals almost? Like do you started out the year thinking, oh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to work on this or I'm going to do this more. How would you look back on this open water season so far, uh, personally for yourself on that regard? Yeah, one that one that sticks out in my mind is, and it kind of similar to the water temp stuff we've been talking about. I feel like we started, especially in the North Country, we started a lot of our season out with super super shallow fish, like one to three feet of water. You know, ones where you get up, you're like, and those fish are the hardest ones to see on anything. Cause they're right in there in rocks. They're right in there in you know, shallow riprap. And those fish are just tough to, you know, it's the one time a year where you almost can't see the fish in which you're fishing for a lot of times. And it seemed like that time frame lasted a very long time, especially kind of working my way from, you know, kind of Western or Eastern Wisconsin into Northwestern Wisconsin, then into Minnesota. It was like we had three weeks of fishing for walleyes in less than four feet of water which is a lot of fun when you're catching them because they fight like crazy and it's super fun, but um, definitely got a lot better in my opinion at kind of finding areas that were right for those super shallow fish. And then presentations that would catch those fish in the middle of the day when when the sun was out and a lot of that stuff, it was just like little kind of snappy because a lot of times you're jig fishing and a lot of that in my mind, that was, little snappy kind of jig tips on really light jigs that seemed to work good you know but before we might put a you know eighth ounce quarter ounce jig on and a plastic and you know you kind of chew through water very fast and what was very immediate to us is we'd fish through an area drive back and just look down with the original fish finder your eyes into the water and be like man there's you know there's hundreds of walleyes on this bank like how did we just get one 15 inch to go then you do something you know ultra finesse where you're putting a 16th ounce jig on six pound line and just chucking it up in there and never really letting it hit bottom, but almost like snapping it just under the surface and little things like that are, were kind of what stuck out to me a lot where I learned a lot this year and, you know, kind of what those super shallow kind of timid fish do during the day. Well, you know, what were some other fine details with them shallow fish? Cause I think a lot of people like talking shallow fish cause shallow fish are like, 
I mean, man, it's a badge of honor. Like, when you can just house a bunch of fish, you can have one good day catching walleyes shallow. Like, that can, like, make your whole whole season. So I don't want to give up on this topic with you. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely, you know, if there's one thing we've learned about walleyes in the last, you know, five years is how many are willing to sit shallow for a lot of the season. And this year in particular, a lot of very shallow water fish. In the spring, I think it's 90% where the where is warm water you know which is obviously a lot of times wind-based um on a lot of the lakes you fish where you get a little bit warmer a little bit dirtier water kind of piled up into a bank at, at that that time you know in less than five feet of water in the summer it seems to be 100 percent about bait and one thing we always see and we talk about a lot whenever i do seminars or anything like that is you might have fish in 10 feet of water in may june july and august but where that shallow water is seems to change a lot. Like in May, you know, you're fishing a lot of back bays, maybe sub 10 feet of water. June, those fish generally start to kind of transition out to a little bit more main lake stuff. So you might be on a, you know, a flat coming out of a creek arm, you know, that's eight feet of water, right? Catching fish. July, August, it seems like you get, when there are fish shallow, you find them very basin oriented around deep water around the biggest basins but still in shallower water and it's definitely a lot of bait just kind of and you get the same kind of bait fish migration everywhere in my opinion each summer where you get fish back bays early season progressively moving out to the main lake and then by you know this time of year late july into august you get a lot of these the bait and walleyes sitting on you know it might be a shallow water weed edge eight nine feet of water but very adjacent to like the biggest, deepest base and up the lake. So that, that's kind of what I see, how walleyes kind of shift around, staying in the same depth range, but moving around the lake. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's awesome stuff, man. That's awesome stuff. And then next year it'll be totally different, but <laughs> we'll <laughs> yeah. talk about that next year. <laughs> there's there's yeah. no rules. In yeah, fishing, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, man, that's awesome stuff. I like that. That's good ideas. I want to talk about locations and places. Reflecting on this year, for you so far, you know, we're, we're getting towards the end of August here with this conversation, like bring me down a little memory lane here. Some of the more impactful outings that you had, um, and on your travels, um, you know, where were some of the, what are some of the fun memories and, you know, just kind of the, the places that you went, the bodies of water that you fished, what were some of the memorable experiences there? One for sure was a place I wanted to go for a long time was Fort Peck, which I'd never gone to before. And, you know, anybody there who's gone there probably has the same stories to tell, but <laughs> I mean, unbelievable fishery, number one, um, you know, big Missouri river system, tons of water to fish, tons of points, tons of structure. I was lucky enough to go with, out with a guy who kind of fishes there fairly regularly to kind of say, Hey, this is kind of normally what the pattern takes place. And, um, you know, the last time he was out there would have been a couple weeks before I got there. So we're driving around points and we're both looking like, I'm like, well, there's like one or two fish there. And he's like, oh man, there's like 30, 40 fish here two weeks ago, you know? So it was a good learning experience to, you know, kind of see how those fish move around. And that situation um, was kind of a similar summer swing you see everywhere. You get, you know, generally fish on a lot of these Missouri River system bodies of water, you get a lot of these fish kind of moving out of the arms and then onto these bigger point extensions um, in the month of like July generally. And then the fish had almost completely moved off a lot of those points by the time we were there. And that was, which was early August. And they were almost suspending off the tips of these points, very 
oriented to like where bait was packed into a point. They're very oriented to like the old deep water river channel where you'd almost be fishing for these fish that would just occasionally like slide up onto a point, you know, in 25 to 30 feet of water. And we were, you know, instead of just trolling and trying to hit a million points of the day, we were just flying through them with uh, Mega Live and looking for those high marks sitting off the tips of those points and then casting big, heavy glide baits to them and cracking them over their head, which might arguably be the funnest way to fish of all time. So not only were the fish really big, uh, but it was a super fun way to fish. And just, uh, it, it was an awesome trip. One that is definitely, you know, of the many we've done this summer, kind of right in the, in the front of my mind. And when you travel like that, I mean, you know, just personally, like, you know, doing what you do, you get all kinds of people, you know, writing in, telling you where they'd like to see you go and fish. And you got a lot of your own, you know, a lot of your own ideas and a place like Fort Peck, it's just, you know, just a, a famous fishery. It's real popular right now for a lot of, you know, a lot of people are interested in it uh, for lots of reasons, not just the walleyes, right? There's big pike, there's big lakers out there, there's big smallmouth bass, um, and, and you know, maybe you got into some of that stuff too, because that's a blast. But, you know, for you anymore in this part of your career, like, what were you thinking about Fort Peck? Like, like, did you have some expectations? Did you have some fears, hopes, and dreams? And then when you got there, like, were there any surprises? Was there anything like, you know, whether it's the scenery, whether it's, you know, the people, whether it's how big the body of water is, like, you know, or the fish and how they fight, like, what were some of like those you know, personal, just like really fun things that you'll never forget. Yeah. The first thing I thought out there after I caught the first fish was I wish this wasn't 16 hours away from my house, (laughs) which is unfortunate, but the Missouri river system is beautiful. I mean, the whole, you know, each, whether it's Oahe or Skakawi or, you know, Fort Peck, um, they're all gorgeous places to fish, all big water fish kind of do similar things on each of them. The one thing I always try to not do when i go to places this was one of the rare times where i had somebody who has fished there like saying hey here's a pattern that we're on is i generally do not try to do that because normally it messes it'll mess you up more than anything it'll kind of get you doing one thing for too long which is 100 what we did on that trip <laughs> we were looking up on these points for you know a day where we're just both looking at each other kind of scratching our head you know so generally when I go places, I don't try to have any knowledge. Generally, you kind of have a, a vague idea, you know, just kind of being in the industry for, you know, a long enough time, you kind of get a rough idea, you know, okay, you know, the Mississippi River in summer, fish aren't normally at the dam anymore. They normally push downstream and spread out, you know, vague kind of idea or pattern seasonal shifts like that kind of you know, stick out to you. But anytime I go somewhere and someone's like, hey, the bite is really good here it throws you for a loop, you know, which could last, that loop could last an hour. It could last three days, you know, which is never a good thing. So I try, I try to go in with as little knowledge of what is actually going on. Um, you know, and that normally helps me out, I think. This episode of the JMO podcast is brought to you by Shields. Shields is your one-stop shop retailer for all your outdoor needs with over 30 locations across the United States. Every single department is full of the best brands on inventory and a knowledgeable staff to give you great service, including the fishing department. 
For more information or to find a store near you, head to the link in the description of this podcast. That's shields.com. And if you don't find a location near you, rest assured, all their best deals are online as well. So the only thing left to do is to go check them out. Link is in the description of this podcast. If you want to enjoy all the abundant hunting and fishing opportunities that Northeastern South Dakota has to offer, there's no better place to stay than Roy Lake State Park. Come shoot your limit of birds, then hit the lake and catch you a limit of walleyes all in a day. Roy Lake State Park provides both modern cabins and suites with all the comforts of home at a reasonable price. Go to GoOutdoorsSouthDakota.com to reserve your fall hunting and fishing destination. That link is in the description of this podcast. The fishing opportunities across the state of Montana are phenomenal. If you're from there or you've already been there a bunch to experience it, you know just how special these opportunities are. If you haven't, fishing out west should absolutely be on your bucket list. But aquatic invasive species like zebra mussels and Eurasian water milfoil can harm recreational opportunities. As boaters, as anglers, we have the ability to help protect Montana's waters by cleaning all mud, plants and debris off our boat, recreational equipment, and fishing gear before we leave any access sites. Drain the water from your motor, your live well, your bilges, and allow your boat and equipment time to dry before your next outing. No matter what watercraft you use, please, if you're traveling in the state of Montana, stop at all inspection stations. Together, we can protect Montana's waters. Visit the link in the description of this podcast for more information. That's fwp.mt. .gov backslash AIS. You know, maybe walk me through that a little bit. Like, like, do you feel like that just is, is better for you just from an angling standpoint, just personally? Like, that's just how you fish the best is with as little information, you know, as little preconceived notions as possible? Or does that really feed into, you know, kind of the content that you want to produce? You like that really sort of that organic feel of chasing down and finding your own fish? Because it definitely, it all kind of shines through it in your videos, I believe. And I appreciate it a, a ton when I'm watching your videos because you're just kind of depicting how you break down water. But for you, like, you know, personally on the backside, you know, looking behind the curtain, like, does that really play into like how you want to produce your stuff? Yeah. And it's both. I'm, you know, I'm sure anybody who's fished for anything can say this. I mean, the most fulfillment or enjoyment you see out of fishing is when you kind of feel like you figured your own little thing out and it's working really good, whether that's a location, a presentation, whatever it is. So you're naturally more excited about that than you are going out about when, you know, someone's like, Hey, the bite's on fire over here. Show up, put this on. You're going to catch 50 fish tomorrow. It's fun catching fish. Right. But for me, the most of the enjoyment is out of kind of figuring something out. And that, that might not be a day where you just get a crazy video of a bunch of big walleyes, but that might be a day where you really struggle. And then right at the end of the day, you catch two nice fish doing something totally different than you're doing the rest of the day. You're like, man, that was, that was really rewarding. And kind of where I'm at now, even if I'm just fishing little pressure lakes around my house, like I am this week, you know, you have a decent day doing what you've always done. It's fun catching them. And then you switch up at the end of the day and you're like, man, I wonder if this works out here. And you catch one fish. That one fish almost like lights the fire under me anyways, more, you know, that night I'm thinking like, oh man, that worked. I wonder if this works. I wonder if I change this up and do this similar to what I was doing on that last fish. You know, you're not thinking about the 20 fish you caught doing the thing you've always done. You're thinking about that one fish that you caught doing something cool. 
And if you kind of translate that to the video, I get a lot more excited on camera, which is always a good thing when I naturally figure something out, whether that takes me <laughs> a week to figure out or an hour to figure out, you know, there's plenty of times that it takes the whole week to figure it out or something like that. But so it's a little bit of both. It's a little bit on the kind of organic content side. And it's a little bit just about what feels rewarding, you know, kind of an as an angler. And there's plenty of times that comes back to bite me in the butt when I go somewhere and, you know, I'm trying to do something against the grain and I spend, you know, three days doing that and it just doesn't pan out for me either. But <laughs> when it oh, does, yeah. you know, it's very rewarding, obviously. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that's what makes it relatable, too, because, you know, like you say, for just about anybody that's out there trying to get better, trying to figure something out, like that is, you know, there's those those individual fish that we'll just never forget. You know, the first time we caught a fish and we watched it eat on forward sonar, the first fish that we caught, you know, on a glide bait in the summertime or you know, or whatever it is, the first, you know, just the, there's those fish that really, or those experiences that really kick something off, you know, and just sort of feed into that passion. And seeing you do it on camera is definitely, definitely a relatable thing and, and definitely an inspiring thing. But, you know, sticking on that Fort Peck topic and listening to you tell the stories about it, um, you know, the forward sonar targeting individual fish on a giant body of water, you know, um, you know, the, a lot of... The, the, you know, capital walleye factories across walleye country. I mean, you know, the Great Lakes are humongous. Lake of the Woods is humongous. Devil's Lake is humongous. You know, even the river systems are, are, are big river systems and offer a lot. Like, targeting individual fish on forward sonar, you know, at least, you know, for me and, and, and a lot of people that are maybe new to it and building their confidence with it, it's hard to be efficient. You know, I mean, you're, you, it slows you down, you know, you're, 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 whatever it is, you're not going fast enough. You spend too much time on a fish. A lot of these are multi-species fisheries. These suspended big marks, they could be anything. It could be carp, and you make 35 casts at it. And, and um, you know, just kind of creating those efficiencies. For you, when you go to Fort Peck, what do you feel like was the biggest, like, efficiency or, or, or sort of successful piece to the puzzle on that regard, breaking down... Um, you know, throughout the days that you were out there, like, like what kept you the most efficient at the times where you feel like you were doing it the best? Yeah. And, you know, you kind of brought up the pieces of the puzzle analogy. I always draw it, you know, to it might be a bite like that when you're somewhere new and, you know, you don't know, like if you are chasing these big individual fish, especially in the middle of summer, they're not schooly fish, so they're not, you don't pull up and see, oh, there's 15 really big walleyes all hanging out with their buddies right here, right now. You know, most time it's singles, it's double, it's maybe two on the screen at a time. And with the puzzle analogy, it seems like a lot of times, you know, you might be, how far down are these fish? So you spend a few hours where you're casting that stuff, you're like, oh, that's just not acting like a walleye. Oh, these are not acting like walleyes. These are smallmouth, you know, kind of how fish relate to structure when you see them on a new lake and then all of a sudden you catch one and you're a walleye and you're like oh okay that's what that fish was doing this is where he was set up and then you get another one and you're like oh that fish bit this very fast you know this was an immediate response and a bite out of this fish and then the pieces of the puzzle start to fall into place a lot quicker once you get you know the corners in for example you know on a puzzle 
So that's kind of a lot of times how that bike goes as far as how to be more efficient. And I always try to capture like in videos as much as possible about like what's going on, but it's hard to put 30 minutes of just driving with your trolling motor on 10 in a video. You know, <laughs> it'd be a pretty boring, it'd be a pretty boring half hour. So one thing I always say is, you know, there's a lot of just, if you are going to run a, a open water, big fish suspended casting pattern, you're going to spend a lot of time just going really fast with your trolling motor, looking for that one high mark. And, you know, the similar fish kind of relates similar on all these bodies of water. Smaller ones normally group up closer to bottom. Those bigger ones normally get up high off the bottom away from structure a little bit. So they'll kind of sit a lot more like that. As far as what the marks look like on your forward facing, you'll see a lot of these carp or smallmouth or sturgeon if you're on lake of the woods they'll kind of roam the water column i always call them like they'll float the water column where they're just kind of up here then they're down here and then they're over here and then they're down on the bottom then they're back up 15 feet off bottom again walleyes don't generally do that as much they're a lot more they get to a depth in the water column they like and they're kind of there you know and they're not quite moving as fast as some of those like carp or things like that and that's one thing you know that that definitely takes time to probably get used to just looking at what you're looking at but that's one thing i see kind of happen a lot of places i go yeah man interpreting electronics that's the thing it just that if there's if there's any efficiency whatsoever out there to figure out with any piece of electronics interpretation or at least you know having a high batting average of good interpretation you know nobody's going to be perfect 100 percent of the time we're talking about fish but yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that's great advice, man. Talking about the places, man. I just like asking you those personal questions of the memorable places that you went. Was there anywhere that you went that you just wish you had 10 more days at? Oh, there's definitely been a few of them this year. Uh, I do a ton of seminars each summer. And, you know, so seminar a lot of times dictates my travel. You know, if I have a seminar in Appleton, Wisconsin this week, I'll probably go fish Green Bay or like Winnebago or something like that. But maybe three days from now, I got a seminar in, you know, Billings, Montana. So then I'm probably going to go to Montana and fish, you know? So there's been a, a lot of times we get a day and a half or two days here and you just get on something really cool and you catch a pile of fish. And you're like, oh, we have to leave. Come on. We don't, yeah. have we don't have a choice. So there's been a few times I've left Leech Lake and Leech is always one of just my favorite places to fish because there's so many, you know, you could catch really shallow fish all year. You can catch fish on deep rock. You can catch basin roaming fish. It's just whatever your strength is in fishing, you can almost go fish that way there. And it's one of those super cool places. And every time I leave there, whether it's been a week or a day and a half, I'm always like, oh man, I would just love to kick back and kind of spend another five, six days of relaxing fishing here. Mississippi River is another one. I have not been able to fish down there as much as I normally like to this year. And there's been a few bites down there where, you know, one was a, a trolling bite. That was just, I was having a ton of fun. Felt like a kid again, you know, trolling and your rod tips are hitting the trees on the shoreline, a super shallow speed trolling bite. And that was one I could spend, you know, 10 days just with no cameras around doing it and just giggling like a kid again the whole time. Yeah. Was there any tough bites that you feel like you figured out? Like, like, you know, so, something like that, something that was just, uh, Maybe the conditions weren't right when you were there, or it was a tough time of year, just something that felt kind of forced maybe, or it was just for whatever reason, you know, day one or two was just an absolute grinder. And then when it came together, uh, you felt pretty good about it. Anything like that that comes to mind? 
Yeah, there's there's always a lot of those. Um, I'm trying to kind of recollect of videos this year. One thing we don't try to do as much anymore is like force a bite out of something, especially on camera. Because if you do end up like, oh, man, we just got to get these six bites today. We just have to get these six bites today. You know, whatever it takes, we're going to get these six bites today. I end up, always end up when I film those bites with a video where there's like no talking. <laughs> it's me just sweating bullets in the front of the boat all day. So I, I generally try to not like force things a lot. There's been plenty of ones we've kind of figured out something cool where, you know, all of a sudden you're like, oh, well, yeah, that wasn't it. This is obviously it. That, you know, um, there's a couple of things we we normally film a, a lot of the slip bobber content each year because it's just a great way to catch walleyes. And one thing we saw, especially on pressured water this year, was some reason going to like a, a drop shot something like that which is another presentation that's getting super trendy now because a lot of this forward facing or sharp shooting stuff whether it's offside imaging or whatever but just the like a bite where you normally slip bobber and you spend half a day slip bobbering and you're catching a few fish but you can just tell it's not the fish are not reacting the way you assume they would to it and then you do something like a drop shot where you can manipulate a plastic or a live bait in front of that fish a little more than you can with a slip bobber and all of a sudden you're like, wow, what, you know, it's the same leech on there, whether it's a slip bobber or a drop shot. But for some reason, when I put the drop shot on and manipulate the bait, the fish bite every time, you know, little, there's a couple of videos like that this year that, that definitely stick out in my mind from a few different locations. Right on, man. I like it. I love the recaps. I love all the information and just kind of the things that, uh, you know, the rhyme or reason to, to how you operate is all good stuff, man. What, uh, we can spend a few minutes, you know, previewing for fall. It's not fall yet at all, so this is all just, uh, you know, two months from now. We could look back, and and every part of this uh, portion of the conversation could be wacky. But you know, what's your predictions? What are some of the things you have planned? What are some of your, you know, again, your fears, hopes, and dreams, or whatever for fall walleye fishing this year? Yeah, and if I look across my street right now, there's two maple trees that are already turning colors, oh boy. which is crazy for, <laughs> we're getting we've had some nights you know and uh, we had last week we had a couple nights like low 40s already and it was like wow you know, this tree's going to change the color so it's not far away but yeah there's a few different things i want to do this fall that i haven't done before i'd like to go to erie this fall i went to erie this spring and kind of had a more of a struggling fishing three days than you know you would assume but we had really dirty water and things like that and you know just didn't make it happen to the fullest extent i want but would like to go out there and do some stuff you know I've, one of my favorite things about fall which is probably a lot of guys favorite thing about fall is that generally you have a strong shit like real strong shallow water bite happening again on bigger fish and that's one of my favorite bites of the year i don't know if it's because you know generally you can have a lake to yourself a lot of days you know if you're on some smaller water and generally there's just less pressure in the fall but the, the strong shallow water bites you get generally when you start getting water temps like 60 degrees and lower or 55 degrees and down is just one of my favorite times of year. Anytime I can put a jig in a plastic or a jig in a live bait on and snap it around real up shallow on a weed edge or a rock, rock to sand transition. That's just one of my favorite ways to fish and you get the line, you know, snap the jig up boom, and then you set the hook and you got a walleye in five feet of water. And that's just as fun as fishing gets. So falls and obviously an awesome time. I'm looking forward to it a little it seems like with travel, the summer just flies by way too fast every single year. But if I can jig a bunch of shallow walleyes, um, I'll be a happy guy here in a couple of weeks. Do you stick around home a lot? Like, is that, uh, you know, I mean, as far as fall goes, um, 
you know, you, you, obviously I'm asking you about some of the places you want to travel to, but, um, you know, the, the fishing around where you're from, you get out on the local lakes much in the fall? Yeah, we have a split uh, in my house. Um, Shelby, my girlfriend, she is she is the big hunter, right? So we, right have, we have a certain amount of time we're going to spend in the woods, which I'll be at home filming, uh, you know, fishing around here for some of that time. But we'll still get out on the road and travel a ton too. So, um, you know, the Mississippi River stuff, I love fishing there in the fall. Northern Minnesota lakes, love fishing there in the fall. Um, fall's really a, a great time everywhere. But like a Lake Erie, I would like to add to that list i would like i've never fished a missouri river system late in the fall so i would like to do something like that um but uh, yeah i always want to go i have a list in my office that um has been running for about three years now and every time somebody mentions a lake they're like hey you should come here i'll write the name down and now it's to the point where like someone that's been named so many times i'll put tallies next to the lakes right (laughs) yeah and then then when i fish the lake i'll generally cross it off the, the list so that list was about 80 bodies of water long probably when i started probably a sheet and a half of notebook paper <laughs> it's it takes up an entire bulletin board now so when you fish nice. every day the list of places you want to go doesn't shrink it just keeps getting longer and longer and longer well we've done it tom this is awesome i love it we we always cover so much ground talking to you you do so well with it and uh talking about just the patterns that were just you know just, just the 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 flavor that this year had, you know, just the, the curveballs that, that, uh, this summer had and, and having you talk about those patterns and the presentations that you're, you know, feel like were the most productive for you in the places that you traveled to. And it's awesome. It's a good, it's raw information because you're always traveling somewhere new. You have a, you, you, you do just do such a good job of, of fishing really objectively, and um you know breaking down these bites your content is uh is second to none on the recaps and i love the fall previews it's just an exciting time that we can um and i don't think i don't think anybody else i think when when this airs you're going to be the you're going to be the first one where we hear fall fishing come out of uh my mouth or the guest's mouth so this will be like the first little tickle of fall fishing that anybody's going to get uh on this uh this particular run because it's not fall yet we're going to get to those shows, uh, but yeah, definitely, uh, like you said, there's a couple of leaves changing out there in some places. There's a couple of hunting seasons that are open. People are shooting early season geese, and there's some of that stuff going on, and it's like, uh, yeah, it's just going to be all over us here before we know it. So great stuff, man. Um, anything else that comes to mind along the lines that we were talking Uh Go ahead, throw it out there. Otherwise, we can wrap it up just promoting yourself, your stuff, where people can find you, where they can get your content, anything you want to promote. Yeah, well, I appreciate you having me on. Always a good time. And, yeah, as we wrap up summer, you know, fall is arguably one of the most predictable and fun times to be on the water for me anyways. Obviously, there's a million things to do in the fall, whether you're hunting or fishing or whatever it might be. But great time to be on the water. Looking forward to doing a bunch of that content again this year as well, fishing late into the fall. And yeah, as far as as far as I go, um, obviously you can find me on YouTube, just Tom Boley on YouTube. Um, we're also doing a lot of exciting stuff on the Walleye app, Now app side of things. Completely revamped system here we're launching probably by the time this comes out which is a lot of a lot of exciting behind-the-scenes stuff we've got going on. Right on. And, uh, yeah, anybody who follows me, I appreciate you guys letting me kind of, you know, live my dream by your support. So thank you guys. 
Right on, man. That's it. That's a wrap, man. That's a wrap. And uh, all right, man. We'll talk to you. Cool, man. I appreciate it. Anytime. This episode of the JMO Podcast is brought to you by Shields. Shields is your one-stop shop retailer for all your outdoor needs with over 30 locations across the United States. Every single department is full of the best brands on inventory and a knowledgeable staff to give you great service, including the fishing department. For more information or to find a store near you, head to the link in the description of this podcast. That's shields.com. And if you don't find a location near you, rest assured all their best deals are online as well. So the only thing left to do is to go check them out. Link is in the description of this podcast. The fishing opportunities across the state of Montana are phenomenal. If you're from there or you've already been there a bunch to experience it, you know just how special these opportunities are. If you haven't, fishing out west should absolutely be on your bucket list. But aquatic invasive species like zebra mussels and Eurasian water milfoil can harm recreational opportunities. As boaters, as anglers, we have the ability to help protect Montana's waters by cleaning all mud, plants and debris off our boat, recreational equipment, and fishing gear before we leave any access sites. Drain the water from your motor, your live well, your bilges, and allow your boat and equipment time to dry before your next outing. No matter what watercraft you use, please, if you're traveling in the state of Montana, stop at all inspection stations. Together, we can protect Montana's waters. Visit the link in the description of this podcast for more information. That's fwp.mt.com dot gov backslash AIS.